Thank you so much, Amy. I don't think I've ever heard that song. That's beautiful. Uh, God is speaking. Isn't that a wonderful message? And uh, it relates to what I hope I get to today is uh, us listening to God. So we'll, we're uh, very, very good. Uh, Danny, I, I, got, uh, I got the call yesterday. I should have had my phone off, I guess. But what I put together for you this morning, I, I had put together, I didn't do it last night. I had this for, I presented this to the, uh, I'm, I'm always reluctant to say I'm preaching, but I presented it to the mission uh, a few months ago. So I had to go uh, and get it rehashed. If you have your Bibles, uh, what we're going to be talking about is dealing with conflict. How many of y'all ever had conflict? Well, I'm going to see more hands than that before we get through. Okay, well, all of us have... How do we deal with it? Uh, and we'll be, uh, I don't have PowerPoints, so I hope you brought your Bibles. And if you do, uh, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. And we'll be looking at verses 10 through 20. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verses 10 through 20 are, Bill always says, it's one of my favorite verses. Uh, these are uh, indeed some of my favorite verses. It's favorite verses because it's very powerful. If you're familiar with it, it's this, putting on the full armor of God. And that is its powerful message for us that Paul spoke then and is, uh, as well for us. It's also very special because in December of 1946, a man named Marshall Stutz, that was my granddad, was reading these verses as he taught his Sunday school lesson. He had a stroke. And he passed away a couple of days after that. These were the last words he spoke. What a legacy. Uh, now, I don't know that I want to have a stroke while I'm teaching Sunday school class, and certainly not up here this morning. But, you know, if I've got to go, that's a good way to go. And uh, what is marvelous about my grandpa Stutz, I was named after him. Then my grandson now is named after him, the Marshall. Uh, so that's special. But he had a tremendous effect on my life, tremendous positive influence on who I am today. And the thing is, he died before I was born. Now, think about the legacy you know, that you can have to your children, to your grandchildren, to people you'd never know. Even after, after you're dead, you can still have that legacy. And that, to me, well, that's another sermon, but that, that's a powerful, that's part of the reason this is very special to us, uh, special to me. Well, let's read this, then we'll come back and deal, talk about how to deal with with conflicts and conflicts you can also also think about how to deal with troubles some of you didn't have conflicts does everybody have troubles yeah we all we have all been there let me read this starting verse 10 uh, Ephesians chapter 6 it says finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God that when the day of evil comes, notice it doesn't say if the day of evil comes, it says when the day of evil comes. Each of us are on face a day of evil. It says, so put on full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist and the breastplate of righteousness in place and you're with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. 
Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, uh, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and keep on praying uh, for all the saints. Verse 19, pray also for me that whenever I open my uh, mouth, words may be given me so that I may fearlessly, uh, fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what you've given us. I ask you today as, as I speak this that that you'll give me the words to speak, that uh, out of my mouth will come words that will influence, that will affect someone, and that, and, and that their hearing will be such that perhaps they'll be changed. Lord, we, I, we pray and we, we thank you for all you do. We ask these in your name. Amen. Well, when, we, when we're, uh, conflicts are going to occur. There in verse 13, it, it didn't say if, if the day of evil comes. It says when the day of evil comes. So each of us is going to be facing conflicts. Uh, a pastor of mine up in Fayetteville used to like to say that uh, if you're a Christian, if, if you hadn't had conflicts or if you hadn't had trouble, just wait. <laughs> Your turn's coming. Yeah, Your own habit. So it's inevitable. And I think really for the Christian, conflict is inevitable. And on one hand, if we stand, if we stand up for God, we're going to be in conflict with the world. The world is, is not my home. I'm just passing through. Jesus said, uh, you will be enemies with the world if you stand. So if you're a Christian, we should be in conflict with, with the world. If you, so if you stand, you're in conflict with the world. If you don't stand, you're in conflict with God. Now, where the, what would you rather be in conflict with, with the world or with God? I'd rather be in conflict with the world. So, you know, it's inevitable that we, we uh, that conflict is inevitable. Now, if you have no conflict as a Christian, if you do not feel conflicted with this world, or if you don't feel conflicted with God, you need to go look at your soul. God may not be present there. You need to uh, uh, settle that, uh, that, you, that you indeed have a relationship with God. Well, so we all have conflicts. How do we deal with conflicts? And I would suggest to you there's three basic steps in how to, how to deal with conflicts. And this applies to this scripture as well as anything you go into. And this is kind of the outline for this morning. First of all, you've got to know your enemies. Uh, if, if you're, from a military standpoint, uh, you know, different, different armies will wear different uniforms. And this is, uh, uh, is one way they can identify who your enemy is. The trouble with guerrilla warfare and uh, Al-Qaeda that we fight today, they don't wear a uniform. And that makes it, that's one thing that makes it very difficult for our soldiers uh, in these foreign fields. Another way you know, they know, your, uh, you know your enemies from a, a military standpoint is through intelligence. You go and try to find out how they think and how they approach and uh, how, how they react to things. Through that intelligence, then you end up knowing your enemy. Secondly, you've got to inventory your resources. Uh, from a military standpoint, this is uh, boots and guns they refer to. How many people, how many boots 
Uh, can you get to a certain place with what kind of munitions and what type of uh, 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 guns and uh, uh, I can't think of the word. What do you use for guns? Weapons. Very good. Thank you, Donna. My brain sometimes stops right in the middle of a sentence. So you, I, you, you have to stay awake so you can help me out. Now, weapons. This is uh, know your inventory. If you, and this is basically a quartermaster corps. To, and by that, you get the logistics and the capabilities of how you're going to go into battle. The third uh, essential step, you know your enemy, you inventory your resources, and then you develop a strategy. That's basically de developing a battle plan. They have these war colleges. They learn how to uh, develop a battle plan. These same three essential steps works in sports. In sports, you've got to know your enemy. You, know, you need to know that other team. They usually wear different uniforms. That's usually not a problem. But you know what? They, they, they are always a uh, good coach who send out, they'll scout that other team. They'll look at film. They'll try to figure out, uh, they'll learn they need to know their enemy. They need to know that other team in order to uh, play them best. Secondly, you inventory your resources. You figure out what players, you, you, you know who your go-to guy is. You know who, what special skills certain players have and be able to use them at certain times. And then you develop a, a strategy. You get a game plan. Well, these three steps are exactly what uh, is the same thing that Paul outlines in these verses, and it's for us as Christians. First of all, we, know, we need to know our enemy. Verse 12, what does he say? He says, our enemy is not flesh and blood. That's not our enemy, but our enemy is rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world, and spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Back in that time when Paul was writing this, the rulers and authorities were the Romans that had thrown him in prison. He was in prison at the time he wrote this. And the Jewish leaders that had authority over many people. And they were against him. They were killing Christians and they were having... Uh, these were the rulers and authorities that he had in mind. The powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil were demons. You know what? We don't have the... We don't have the Romans to deal with today. Do we still have rulers and authorities? You know, I, when I first thought about this, rulers and authorities, I kind of thought about these real evil, kind of like a uh, uh, Hussein, some of these horrible dictators. Do we have rulers and authorities that are having evil influences on us today, have authority over us? I'm afraid so. We as Christians are... It's getting more difficult for us to stand he, even here in this Christian nation. Well, these, these demons, uh, I, I would suggest to you, the demons that Paul was talking about, they're still here today. And they're not this little cartoon character with the little horns and a crooked tail. That's not, that's, that's not the demon. And I'd also suggest to you, it's not that thing, and, and I, hardly, I hardly know the terminology of these <clears throat> Some of these uh, uh, movies where this horrible-looking thing comes at you, the demons that, that Satan uses sometimes are that next-door person. It's somebody that looks just like us, but it's a person that's pointing us away from God. So, you know, uh, all of these function with Satan. And he says it's not flesh and blood, it's not people, but it's Satan working through people. 
uh, uh, Satan is, is the enemy, not the people. And I, I, I reminded of what Jesus said on the cross when he was being killed. What did he say? Forgive them for they know not what they do. A lot of these people that are functioning for Satan today and are hurting us as Christians, they know not what they do. And we should take that kind of attitude, but also we should be, be aware of them. So uh, Satan, Satan is a very formidable enemy. If you think about it, you go over in Genesis, you, we first uh, learn about Satan in chapter 3 of Genesis. There's two chapters before he comes into, uh, they start talking about it. If you go into Revelations, he's destroyed in, in Revelations chapter 20. Guess what? There's two chapters after it. So the, the Bible is booked in by two chapters but at the beginning and at the end without Satan. All the time in between, he's here. And he will be here that he is our enemy. Uh, <clears throat> okay, we know our enemy. Secondly, we need to inventory our resources. Verses 14 through 18. And Paul, as I said, he's in, he's in prison. He's probably sitting there looking at soldiers. There's guards come there. And those guards probably had all their military garb on. And he makes these beautiful analogies of the things that we need as Christians. We, he, he makes analogy to what these uh, uh, guards are wearing. And, and what he <clears throat> ends up outlining here is seven different resources. And for the first six of those, he relates to a specific garment or thing that these guards are, are, have on them. First of all, he says, put on the belt of truth. Now... Belt uh, of truth. Now, for us, uh, uh, Gary Joe, why do you wear a belt? Keep your pants up, don't you? That's not why they wore belts back in that day. They, they wore, these guards wore a real loose kind of tunic garment. They would put a belt around to get, keep, to, so that they could move easier. They wouldn't get entangled with things. Guess what? That's exactly what the truth does. If you're telling the truth, you don't get entangled. You know, we ha you've probably watched these movies or TV shows where a prosecuting attorney gets somebody up there and they start questioning them, and they get them tangled up. If they're not telling the truth, they get tangled up. Truth will keep you straight, will keep you from getting in entangled. So he tells us to, to uh, avoid lying, that we don't get entangled. Second, we put on the breastplate, breastplate, <clears throat> excuse me, breastplate, plate, see if I can get my tongue going right, of righteousness. Now, for the soldier, the breastplate was this piece of armor that went around their chest. It's kind of like a vest, you could, might think of it, but it, generally, usually it was a metal type vest. That breastplate of righteousness, it protected their heart. And obviously the heart is a source of emotion, but it's also a source of life. If that heart quits beating, you're, you're done. So that, that was an important part of their armor is that breastplate. In the same way, righteousness is an important part of our armor. Us being right, us having character and integrity keeps us, protects us um, from much of the stuff the world uh, hits at us. One, one writer said, Every believer is clothed with the righteousness of God, but he must manifest integrity and righteousness in his personal life. We've got God's righteousness in there on us, but then we have to manifest it. The third uh, uh, resource, our feet fitted with the readiness of the gospel. Now, back in that time, their feet fitted, they would wear sandals, and then they'd strap on these things that looked like cleats. 
And if you've ever played football or baseball, you know why you got cleats. That's keep you from sliding and get you a better grip on, on uh, and being able to move. And this is, this is the idea here. It keeps them from falling. The gospel, you hide God's word in your heart, that will keep you from falling. That will, you, and, and the other part of that is with the gospel, you need to be ready. You need to have God's word in your heart so that you're ready and that will keep you from slipping and falling. The fourth resource, a shield of faith. Now, the shield, you, I think all of you know the shield, but for the, for, uh, in that time with the Roman, it wasn't this little round shield like this. It was more of a rectangular thing that they would get behind uh, to protect themselves. It was more of a, of a barrier type of situation. So they had this the shield of faith. It would protect them from the flaming arrows. In the same way, he relates that to our faith. Our faith will protect us from flaming arrows. Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is the substance or the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's not debatable. Our faith should be strong. It should be large, and then it protects us. It's not debatable. What are the flaming arrows we have to deal with? Are there things that you run into in life that makes you question your faith? Makes you question God? Makes you doubt? These are the flaming arrows this world is throwing at us through, uh, I would call it pseudoscience. In my, my opinion, it's not true science that throws those arrows. But anytime you throw, uh, turn on the television, you will, there's some flaming arrows. And we need our faith in place to be able to, to divert those uh, flaming arrows. Uh, number five, the helmet of salvation. Now, all of you know what a helmet is if you've watched a football game. Uh, can you imagine them going out there and playing football without helmets? Uh, I guess they do that in rugby, I think. That's, uh, but, you know, that, it, that's a different game. Uh, but, you know, the helmet protects the head. The head is, the, is, is vital for survival and for dealing with conflicts. In the same way, our salvation. If you don't have salvation, then you're, you're, you might as well not go into the battle. Uh, or you're not in the battle. That, uh, it's a, the assurance of essential deliverance keeps us from retreat or surrender. Romans 8.31, if God is for us, who can be against us? If we have salvation, we have God on our side, and it doesn't matter what else is happening. The sixth, the sixth uh, 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 piece of, 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 of our resource, sixth resource, is the sword of spirit. Uh, and you notice the, the sword is the only offensive lep, weapon that's noted in this whole list of, of resources. Uh, without that, without a sword, a soldier would be kind of like a, a turtle. He just put his shell over him. It's kind of like going down in foxhole and hiding there. But with the sword, he has the opportunity to, to go and inflict injury and to do something himself. Uh, but you know what? You can have all the swords in the world. If you don't know how to use them, they're not very good. Now, uh, for me, if I got one of these nice swords and started prancing around like they do with uh, fencing, they call it, uh, I wouldn't be very good. It wouldn't help me very much. For a, a skilled person in fencing, they, they're very good at that. In the same way, he relates a sword to the Word of God. And we can have Bibles all over our 
home. We can have it in every room and have it on. You can have it even on your phone now, can't you, Danny? You can have all sorts of things. But you know what? If you don't study that, if you don't know that Word of God, it's, it's, it's not very good. It's, it's just little electrons in your phone or it's pieces of paper on your bookshelf. Second uh, Timothy 2.15 Study to show thyself approved uh, unto God a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of God. The Word of God is our sword. That's our offensive weapon that we can go in this world, but if we don't know how to use it, it is of no value to us. The seventh one, now this is a little bit uh, more discre- uh, discreet, is, he, is prayer. And he doesn't relate that to a physical thing that soldier is wearing. But prayer, I would relate to communication. Now, for a soldier, communication is vital. Or if he gets separated from his unit, he, he's likely to be killed. You know, and, and communication is, is so different today than in Paul's time. Uh, you know, there was a lot of times that battles, that they would sign a truce, a treaty, and then there'd be several battles for weeks, months, until they got the word around and say, hey, it's over. Well, you know, communication today, it's, it's uh, real time. We could sit, watch on TV uh, where bin Laden was being captured. You know, th- that's the type of communication that our military has today. And the most important part here is having communication with the commander. The commander will tell them what to do, whether to go forward, go, whether to retreat. Uh, for us, we need communication with our commander, and that's prayer. Uh, <clears throat> back when I was in... Uh, being trained in the, in, uh, in the Army, I uh, went through what they call AIT. And Jeff, you remember that, don't you? Where's Jeff? Advanced Individual Training. And in my AIT, I was trained as a radio operator. This was back in 1970, and radios were big things with dials, and it, it was a complicated thing. Part of the training to be a radio operator back then, you had to learn Morse code. And... Uh, I, I listened to Morse code till I was blue in the face, and I have not heard Morse code since then. But I got trained and uh, uh, qualified in, in Morse code. The thing that struck me as, as I was learning Morse code is that we'd go in and put these little headphones on. It started off real slow, that kind of stuff. Then you'd go faster and faster and faster and so that you got up to we had to qualify for at 30 words a minute. It, we spent probably over 90% of our time learning Morse code, listening to it. We only spent less than 10% sending it. It's a lot easier to send than it is to receive Morse code. If you can receive it, you can send it. I think that has a real direct analogy to prayer. How much of my time do I spend sending and how much of the time do I spend receiving? When I pray, it's Lord, blah, 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 amen, I'm gone. That's, that's sending. We don't spend enough time receiving. I love the scripture that says, be still and know that I am God. Uh, we need to stop and listen, listen to God. Uh, uh, we, and then uh, we hear best, uh, uh, we hear best when we're studying his word and contemplating on, it, on, on his word. Some of the best receiving I've ever gotten from God is when I'm trying to memorize scripture is he just speaks to me 
in marvelous ways. I love the verses 19 and 20. It says, Pray also for me that words will be put in my mouth that I may declare the mystery of the gospel. You know, uh, one of the greatest delights I have is when I'm teaching a Sunday school lesson and all of a sudden some words come out of my mouth that weren't on my notes. I don't know where, I do know where they came from. It's when God speaks through us and we have this assurance as we go out that God will give us the words. If we're in his word and if we're close to him, we don't have to worry about what to say. In fact, it's not really important what I'm saying out here here today. It's not important what I'm saying. It's important what you're hearing. And, you know, there's something in between me and you, and that's the Holy Spirit. I'm speaking, and hopefully you're hearing. (laughs) And when you hear it, the Holy Spirit takes it. That's the reason why uh, you and I can read the same Scripture, and it says something totally different to me than it may to you. It's called the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's, that's the importance of this communication. Pray also for me that words will be put in my mouth and pray for the a hearer of that word. Okay, so now we've got, we know who our enemy is. We know what our resources are. Thirdly, we need to develop a strategy. Now look at verse 10. What does he say? Be strong. That's a good, pretty good strategy, isn't it? If you're training as an as a athlete, how do you get strong? You do conditioning, and you run sprints, and you do lift weights, and you do this, and you practice, and you, you get in shape, which some of us don't stay in shape. But that's, you get in shape, but then what do you do? You go and practice the actual game. You get physically in shape, then you get mentally in shape by practicing, and then you play the game, and you get experience. Well, guess what? That's exactly what we need to do as Christians. We need to condition. We need to practice. We need to be in God's Word. We need to be praying. We need to be in, court, in relation to Him. But then we've got to go out there and actually get in the game. We can't just sit on the sidelines. Uh, Philippians uh, 4.13 says, I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. Isn't it wonderful? It's not by my strength. It is God's strength that I go out. Okay, so the first strategy is be strong. The second strategy in verses 11 and 13, it says, put on the whole or full armor. Now, if you just, if you put on part of the armor, you know what they're on attack? They're on attack what you didn't put on. They're on find your weakest point. Satan is on find his, your weakest point, and that's what he's going to attack. So you know, this, that's what he's saying. Put on the full armor. Don't just put part of it on. Uh, you can put your helmet on. You can put your salvation on and says, well, I'm saved and I'm satisfied. I'm going to heaven. I don't have to worry about anything else. You're going to have some conflict and you're on, you're on hurt. Why hurt? Put on the full armor so that this world cannot hurt you anymore. Satan cannot hurt you if you have that full armor on. So the strategy, be strong, put on the full armor. And the last one in verse 11 and also repeated in verse 13 is, is to stand. When, and when you've and he says and when you've done everything else stand, be consistent, be uh, stand and and continue to stand. Now I think a real important part of this standing. I mean, sometime we can have we can have all be prepared. And we know our enemies. At some time you just have to stand up 
and you've got to stand your ground for, for Christ. And, and I think the, the thing, you know, it said before, it's not if the day of evil comes, it's when the day of evil comes. So today, you need to decide, are you going to stand? Don't wait till a conflict happens. Then, oh, gosh, this is terrible. I've got to decide, well, I'm going to stand up for God or, well, or I'm going to do something else. You need to decide right now if, uh, that, that, uh, that like over, over in the book of Daniel, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they decided. They'd already decided before they were thrown in that fiery furnace. They, it, it said, they said, oh, king, it doesn't matter. You know, if we're destroyed, you know, our God is still God. Take your stand. Already decide that before the conflict occurs. Then when the conflict occurs, it doesn't matter. You're, you're already... Don't, don't sit there and wrestle and worry about decisions to make. You already made your decision. So that's the strategy we have. So, uh, when you face trials, tribulations, conflict, troubles, don't get troubled. When they come, first of all, know who, where they're coming from. They're coming from Satan and his agents. But you know what? God is stronger than Satan. We don't have to bow down to Satan. Satan, through his agents, has a lot of power in this world and are, are doing things that are just unimaginable, that would have been unimaginable a generation ago. But he, has, he is not that strong. God is stronger. And if God is on our side, who can be against us? So, first of all, know your enemy. Secondly, inventory your resources. If you're lacking in something, some of these things we listed here, these seven things, if, you're not, if your prayer life is not where it's supposed to be, oh, I've got three fingers look, pointing back at me right there. Uh, if you don't have salvation, if you're not, uh, not living a righteous life, if you're not up in the Word, if any one of these things, if you're not where you need to be, get there. God will help you. So get your, get, your, put, um, get your resources in line, inventory them, know what you got, know what you need, and, get that, and then develop a, strong, uh, develop a strategy by being strong, using your armor, and then just simply taking a stand for God. Well, this is, uh, to me, is, is a very important, I, I love the, the way Paul puts this together. It's a very simple type of outline, but it's still very applicable to us today. Uh, are you in a conflict today? Are you facing difficulties today? If you're not, are you ready for a conflict tomorrow? Because if you're not facing today, guess what? Uh, maybe not literally Monday, but Tuesday, Wednesday, you're going to face a real conflict when your faith is going to be tested. Um, I always struggle with how to do an invitation. But I would invite you this morning to look at yourself. We'll have uh, some counselors here. I think we've got some folks that will come up during the invitation. If not, you know, we don't have to have the preacher here to get right with God. Uh, we can take him over there and he'll talk to you even though he's sick, right? If we need to. First of all, look and make sure you got that helmet of salvation. Make sure you, 
that at some time in your life, you accepted Christ and He's in your life. And then, make sure you're putting on that daily armor uh, in order to, to fight this battle. I'd like to tell you that, that it's the two-minute warning, and I'll use all those funny analogies. Uh, it is, it may be the last second fixing to tick off. We don't know when that stroke. My granddad, something uh, almost 100, 100 and something years ago, he didn't have any idea when he started teaching that lesson that that was the last words he's going to speak. You don't know that this is not the last morning you got up and ate a bowl of cereal. That, it may be the two-minute warning on, on time for this universe, but we have no promise of tomorrow. So get your life ready. Get, get ready for that conflict that you will have today. If, if you will, just, just remain seated and bow your heads, please. Our Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this time to look at your word. We're encouraged by, by what you tell us, that, that you give us great strength. But, Lord, we need to have, uh, take a hold of that strength. And I pray this morning that if there's anyone here that, that, that does not have that relationship to you, that this will be their day that they will come forward and, and just simply seek you. And we know that uh, you tell us if we seek you, uh, they, you will find, we will find you. Lord, as we go through this invitation, have each, let each of us examine our hearts and to examine our resources uh, to know things that we need to, uh, areas that we need to get closer to you. Lord, we ask these in your name. Amen.